Next on BYU Sports Nation, rivalry rubbish and the Yoli cramp game. Did losing Yoli Childs to injury cost BYU? Did poor officiating cost the Cougars as well against Utah? Hear what Mark Pope said about the refs. Plus, what does last night's loss to Utah mean for BYU basketball's non-conference tournament resume? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, December 5th, wherever and however you're connected, nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the guy who likes to scuffle in the post-game handshake line, Jerem Jordan. What is this, two times in a row at Utah where there's some engagement level between Larry Chris Koviak and one of the BYU players? I don't know who starts things. I don't know who ends things. But, uh, yeah, again, at Utah, unfortunately a BYU loss, and unfortunately coaches engaging with players. Maybe I don't know who started it, whatever, but it's just kind of weird up there. You and I went up to that game and uh, saw it in person and uh, came back disappointed, unfortunately, like the team did. Now, will this cost BYU and Utah future basketball games? I imagine that, uh, no, that's not Because it's very dangerous out there, Jerem. No, it's not. It's very dangerous. Come on, come on. Six o'clock start was a little early for the crowd, as it would be in Provo. It took a minute, but it, it warmed up in there. BYU was hot from the three-point line. Lots to discuss from this one. This was, this was a game rich in storylines, some not so positive, some uh, positive. And uh, what's left for BYU? There's lots to discuss. Yeah, we'll talk about all of those rich storylines, and we'll do so with. But I will BYU. shake your hand in the line. We'll do so with former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland. Does he blame the officiating for last night's BYU loss? Is there some real, real gravity to that argument? Mark Pope has an unbelievable soundbite we're going to play for you. Like, this is an all-timer. It is so good. So good. We have the West Coast Conference Women's Volleyball Player of the Year, McKenna Miller in Studio B. Pocket knives and best friends on topic with her. What? Plus our mandatory and one recap after that head-scratching BYU basketball loss. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Yes, the Cougars lose to Utah 102-95 in overtime. Ugh. A crushing, frustrating, extra stinging defeat at the Huntsman Center magnified by our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. This is absolutely nuts. The Utah men's basketball team never led in the entirety of regulation. They didn't lead for one second in 40 minutes of regulation play. And still won the game. I've never seen that where a team didn't lead but got it to overtime and then won. That was that was wild. And you I had, looked right you at you. You led for 38 minutes of this game. After Ryland Jones hit the game-tying three-pointer at 86, I looked at you and said, if BYU doesn't hit a buzzer beater right here because Yoli Childs is out of the game, yeah, they're gonna lose. TJ Haas is fouled out, Dalton Nix fell out, they have no shot in overtime. They're hanging by a thread. They're hanging by a thread. Oh, sure enough. Frustrated. Same result as at Boise State in overtime. Yeah. That said, Yoli Childs in his return oh my gosh. was incredible. Scored a game-high 29 points on 12 of 16 shooting. It was 3-for-3 three three from distance, had seven rebounds, only played 25 minutes because he had to leave the game twice due to cramping in the second half. 
BYU will play UNLV at Vivid Smart Home Arena on Saturday, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific. Watch and listen on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Much, much more to discuss from this game coming up and what's trending in throughout the program. Pro Football Focus All-Independent team is out. I know you've all been waiting for this. Micah Simon, Matt Bushman, Brady Christensen, and James Empey are on the offensive side. J.J. and Wigwe, Isaiah Kafusi, Diane Gawoluku, and Austin Lee are on defense. No Kairos Tonga, notably, on the defensive line. Uh, not surprisingly, BYU and Notre Dame headline those all-independent teams, Jerry. Yeah, this is something that I don't care about. Speaking of BYU football, Diane Gawoluku accepts an invitation to play at the NFL PA Bowl. Cool. That's great. A chance for him to impress more NFL scouts. This happens after his defensive backfield teammate, Austin Lee, accepts an invitation to play in the Shrine Bowl. Both the Shrine and NFLPA Bowls will take place on January 18th. There's an opportunity there for both to help their cause to get uh, an opportunity within the NFL. I I don't know that either are uh, draft picks per se. Diane, maybe. Austin, I'm not seeing it. But I think both will be in camps with an NFL team, no doubt, uh, in training camp for sure. Fred Warner is the NFC Defensive Player of the Month. It continues to go well for Fred uh, after November. He's currently the only linebacker in the NFL with at least 90 tackles, three sacks, three forced fumbles, and six passes defended. Wow. Warner and the Niners play Taysom Hill and the Saints on Sunday. I think Fred's going to play in the Pro Bowl, Jerem. <laughs> Another guy in a bowl. If he's not playing in the Super Bowl, that is. Well, there's only one spot out of the NFC, and that's currently going to be taken. So. <laughs> Sorry, Fred. Six members of the BYU men's and women's cross-country teams named All-American following the national championship races in Terre Haute, Indiana, representing the women's team, Courtney Wayman, Erica Burke-Jarvis, and Whitney Orton. From the men's team, Connor Mance, Danny Carney, and Jacob Hesslington. This marks the highest number of All-Americans for the women's team since 2003. And in case you have forgotten, the BYU men are your first-time national champions. Yeah, baby. And for the first time in program history, both teams claim a spot in the top two at that national meet. Congrats. Very well uh, deserved. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The BYU basketball team led by 16 points twice last night. Yoli Childs returns, knocks down his first five shots, and we're all looking at each other thinking, Holy cow, he's back. BYU's rolling in Salt Lake City. He might go for 40-plus. In fact, at one he point, was going to. when he hit 29 points early in the second half, you looked at me and said, he, he's going to go for 40. He could score 11 points the last 16 minutes. You would think, especially with fouls and him getting to the free-throw line, but it was not to be. Yoli Childs leaves the game due to cramping. We've seen this happen before, so it is a little bit of a chronic issue. He I wouldn't call it chronic quite yet, but yes. He had to come out, and BYU tried to find an answer. They still held on to the lead for the majority of the game, but ultimately, as we just chronicled, lose the game. Jerem, the question is simple. If Yoli Child stays in the game, does BYU win? Yes. If Yoli Child stays in the game and doesn't cramp up and he's 100% normal, ready to go, BYU wins that game. He would have drawn attention. There would have been open shots. Yoli Childs was on pace for 40. He didn't score for the final 16 minutes because once he comes out, everyone initially thinks it's an ankle injury. Then we come to find out he's stretching his calves behind the bench. Um, Then once we notice that, I I look at him behind BYU's bench, and during the huddles, he's drinking a lot of fluids. He's massaging his calves, and I thought, oh, he's cramping. it's, It's happening again. Yoli Childs was on fire. Every major national college basketball reporter or writer was tweeting about 
The only child in this game, the nation was noticing, and BYU was up big, uh, 16 twice, as you mentioned. Things were going really stinking well. Jeff Goodman, Andy Katz, Seth Davis, all on the Yoli train. Fran Fraschilla, yes. Yes, and this was awesome. I I believe that if Yoli Child stays in, this is a very different game. Utah was fortunate the Yoli Childs came out of this game because this was going to be a blowout, but unfortunately it wasn't. Also, TJ Haas fouls out. TJ Haas was plus 11, the highest plus minus of anybody, including Yoli Childs, uh, in this game. And that's in spite of not having a great game. Yes. uh, TJ struggled. Two of seven, five points, had uh, three assists, five turnovers. But he still makes BYU better when he's on the floor. Yes, and he made Ryland Jones defend. And Ryland Jones didn't have to defend in the same way so that he could offend later on offense. Yes, if Yoli Child stays in the game, BYU wins. It's not rocket science. Come on, and people say, oh, it's such a BYU homer take. Were you watching the game? Were you watching the game? Did Utah have any answer for Yoli Childs? The only answer was that it'd be an unforced error, which it was. And it was an injury, unfortunately. Utah didn't have an answer for Yoli Childs last year when he went 13 for 16 shooting and scored 31 points. They didn't have an answer for him last night. They opted to not double-team him for the majority of the game. And when they did double-team him, BYU had wide-open threes that they were knocking down in the first half and the early part of the second half. 12 of 24, by the way. How do, you, how do you lose the game where you go 12-24? That's wild. BYU shot 54% and lost this game. Utah had no answer for Yoli Childs. I know there are issues to work out within BYU's basket, or the BYU basketball program, especially on the defensive side. You can't give up so many points in the paint. Yeah. And you can't lose the fast-break point battle 31-7 to and not expect bad 31 things to 31-1 to Utah is okay? insane. But they had no answer for Yoli Childs. Why would things change all of a sudden if he doesn't go out of the game? BYU's going to win that game, whether it's by 2 or whether it's by 10. BYU's going to win that game. They led the entirety of the game with him out the majority of the second half. Yeah. Why would they not be better with him on the floor? Get out of here. Get out of here if you think it's otherwise. Okay, Yoli Child's certainly a big storyline in this, but also, topic two. Last night, BYU was called for 12 more fouls. Utah shot 14 more free throws, made 11 more. Did refs cost BYU the game against Utah? Here's what Mark Pope said when asked about the officials after the game. I thought the officials were amazing. That's probably the best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. And I'll tell you this. Uh, a really brave and courageous crew. I mean, that crew, I would take them every single game. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the best crew that's ever <laughs> set foot on the planet. That is an all-time soundbite. All-time. We're going to play it later again. Every time so the officials come into the determination of a future BYU basketball game, <laughs> that soundbite you, will be a thing. You can't find a guy for that. No. It's because well was it sincere or sarcastic? Or I think it's obvious. But. Okay, so did re- fans are talking about, did refs cost BYU the game? No, I think that Yoli Childs leaving the game is more of a factor. So I, I don't know. I'm going to give the majority of the reason BYU lost the game to Yoli Childs not playing in the second half. But it didn't help that TJ Haas fouled out yep. on a very questionable charging call with a few minutes left in the game. And at that point, BYU was in big trouble because your two best players are gone. Your two most impactful players, I should say, are gone. Jake Toulson was great. He carried the team. But TJ Haas makes the whole team better when he's on the floor, and they took him out of the game. Um, TJ's got to figure some things out mentally to, to stay in those situations. I, I don't know. You can, we can micromanage everything and be like, oh, well, you probably shouldn't be aggressive when you have four fouls. Blah. 
let him play. That was a bad call. So the, yeah. I, th- I think the officials did BYU a serious disservice fouling T.J. Haas out of the game. And uh, I know there was disparities in the free throws, but I, I'm not so much concerned about that as, as just it was tough to watch T.J. leave the game on a call like that. Yeah, refs did not cost BYU the game. There's 40 minutes for it. There's, BYU's up by 16. Did the refs help BYU get that lead? Did they? What? BYU no. shot themselves into that lead. Yes, exactly. Now, here are the issues that are controllable to me. Utah had 62 points in the paint. 62! They were getting right at the rim. Utah shot 58%. That's what they do. They're fifth nationally in effective field goal percentage. They're third in two-point percentage, by the way. 61%. They get to the rim. BYU had trouble uh, switching. They were getting into mismatches that weren't advantageous for the Cougars. Transition defense like the... Uh, Shot we just showed, uh, no resistance until inside the three-point line from BYU's defense, sometimes in the paint. Ryland Jones, three to tie the game. He gets wide open. By the way, Utah is three of 17 up to that point from three. Um, and let's talk about this for a moment. BYU does have an opportunity to win this game at the very end. Alex Barcelo had a chance to be the hero. BYU now one for three uh, in potential buzzer-beating shots. I don't think that any of the three were... Great shots. I think T.J. Haas' shot was good given how much time that was left and the situation, and he got a nice roll. If he doesn't get that roll, BYU's own three, right? Boise State, Jake Toulson took the shot. Unfortunately, it was an air ball, um, and it was fading away. Alex Barcelo, they got the switch they wanted. It was a fadeaway. Bounces off the rim. BYU, I think it needs to work on its sets in the final moments of games because this is three times where BYU had a chance to get at the rim or drive and kick and get a nice uh, straight up, squared up shot at the buzzer and have not had it quite yet. Luckily, TJ Haas shot went in at Houston. Yeah, no question there is frustration with the officiating at times. Yeah. Okay. So, They're not going to cost you the but game, though. The to, officials to didn't turn the ball over 20 times. 20 turnovers. You're BYU right. BYU turned the well, ball over 20 times. Well, the officials did turn it over a couple times because when they call a charge, okay, true. Turnover. Okay, so. BYU turned the ball over 17 times then. Whatever. How many charging calls there were, I'm not sure. But BYU needs to take better care of the basketball. Yep. The passing was not great, especially in the second half. And the fast break points that resulted from that. How does Utah, 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 Utah is not a fast break team. They are not a tempo team at all. They never have been under Larry Kruskoviak. For them to have 31 points in transition, are you kidding me? That, that's a crazy number. Yeah, That might be crazier than the 62 points in the paint. It's hard not to feel frustrated if you're Mark Pope, so you can understand why he said what he said. No, that was sincere. What are you saying? <laughs> what are you talking about? But I guarantee on his list of things that need to change, there are five or six things above his concern about the officiating. Right. Someone asked him some positives to take away, and he didn't have an answer. No, he said, I need to watch af- the film. After the moment, He was yeah, trying, it's, but it's, yeah. that's really tough. On to topic three. Jerem, let's push it forward. What does the loss to Utah mean for BYU's non-conference NCAA tournament resume? All right, let's go. They're six and four, five games to go, three in Provo, two in Salt Lake, uh, by the way. Uh, four of the five, very winnable when you talk about UNLV and Nevada and uh, Oral Roberts and Weber State. Utah State is the fifth on there. I think BYU goes at least 4-1 during this span. Utah State is the big question mark. I do think with the loss at Utah, BYU probably needs the Utah State win for the resume. Um, because if BYU doesn't get at least two wins in league, including Vegas, against St. Mary's and or Gonzaga, they're going to be in trouble on Selection Sunday. But here's the thing with Utah State. I know they're a good team, but I don't believe they're top 20 amazing. They won the Mountain West Conference Tournament last year. They returned some really good players, right? And Sam Maryland, what's the name of the Portuguese kid, the center? Uh, uh, Nami- 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 Keda. Keda, thank you. Uh, 
but that team lost last year. They were so good, right? They lost to BYU who didn't even go to the NIT. What? It was the Nick Emery coming back game. Did they win a bunch of games in the NCAA tournament that I missed? No. Nope. Oh, wait, no. They lost by 17 in an 8-9 matchup. I know they're good, but that is a winnable game. A worse BYU team beat Utah State last year. Okay. And a, a much better BYU team is going to play Utah State in what I think is a pretty good matchup on BYU TV next Saturday. Here's the beauty of college basketball. There are so many games that you can atone for some bad losses. If BYU beats Utah State... Nobody's going to care, at least from a national perspective, when you're looking at the resume that BYU's built, that the Cougars lost a road game in overtime to Utah. Now, we all hope that Utah finishes sub-135 in the net ranking so that that is a quad-two loss and it's not viewed as a bad loss. It could be a quad-three. It could be. Yeah. could be, but we hope that Utah's, I don't think Utah's one of good. the 135 well, best teams in America. Maybe well, not. Well, in net ranking. Maybe not, yeah. UNLV's 154 in the Ken Palm. Nevada's 93. BYU should Winnable win games. both of those games. BYU should take care of business against Weber State, who is not good. Weber State lost by 50 to Utah State, Yeah, if not more. i, I got to go back and look. The, the Don't get me wrong. Utah State's good. I'm just questioning the top 20 thing. Yes, okay. But BYU can make everything better if they win these final five. They beat yes, Utah State, and totally. they finished non-conference 11-4. and four Oh, run to the bank, baby. And have wins against Houston, Virginia Tech, and Utah State, we're talking about potentially three quad one wins by the time we get to March. That's enough You're in non-conference. You're in great position to get into the NCAA tournament as an at-large. Yes. If you do that. Yes. So it's, as much as it hurts last night, Utah, the Utah State opportunity looms extremely large. Utah wasn't going to help the resume a ton, in my opinion. It could hurt if it's a quad three. Um, if it's a quad two loss, let's, let's see. I'm... Yeah, let, let's see how it fares. But the Utah State game, I feel like BYU needs that win now. If BYU doesn't get it, I feel like 10-5 and five and you have two hopefully good wins. We'll see how everything shakes out. Perhaps San Diego State is a, a quad one game when all said and done. Maybe they're top 30 and that's a game you lost and it was close yeah. and it helps you in some way. In football, these close losses don't help you whatsoever. In basketball, against good teams, just playing them yeah. matters. Well, and we feel that BYU to be... In real contention to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large, they need to have four quad one wins. Yeah, I think four is a good number. If they beat Utah State, then that's less work that BYU has to do in conference against St. Mary's now and get, Gonzaga. now get to five or six. And now you're in now a you're, much now better you're, Now you're way more position. comfortable. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So it looms large. Okay, our question of the day. We're obviously basketball heavy following the overtime loss for the Cougars You don't want to talk about the all-independent team right now? I do not want to talk about the all <laughs> football team. Jerem, I know you'll like this because you're a music guy. Which song best describes your feelings oh, yeah. about the BYU-Utah basketball game last night? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. <laughs> this is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Leah Shabnell answers on Twitter, High School Musical, get your head in the game. Oh, boy. Is that Zac Efron singing? Is that a song yep. he sings? Last night's game had the same feeling as being up 20 in football and letting Utah come back and win that game. Football feels worse than this, I'll be honest. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, continue to weigh in using... Get your head in the game. Twi- that's enough. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Who sings that again? It's Zach Efron. Let's keep it that way. Coming up, what happened last <laughs> night in Salt Lake, according to Steve Cleveland? Is it as simple as if Yoli Child stays in the game, BYU wins... We think so. Does Coach Cleveland feel that way? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store 
the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Season debut of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is Monday, this Monday. Special time, normally Tuesdays, but this Monday with the basketball game against Nevada on Tuesday, December 9th, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on the BYU TV app. Host Greg Rubel chats with Pope and TJ Haas on Monday. Brand new Deep Blue will air on Alex Barcelo as well. It's next Monday, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on the BYU TV app. Beat the Rebels. Make it a happy show on Monday. That would certainly help. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We are live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. It's time to dive into BYU-Utah basketball and what happened in Salt Lake City with former BYU head basketball coach Steve Cleveland. Coach, he joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Welcome to the show. Uh, In your perspective, what happened to BYU last night that uh, the Cougars led a game they led basically the entirety of regulation in slip away? You know, one of the things that really sticks out to me has to do with Yoli. And I started looking at his stat line. He scored 16 points in the first eight minutes of that game. And then the next 12 minutes of the first half, he scores two points. And then in the second half, he scores 11 points in the first four minutes and doesn't score again until for the next 12 minutes. And then, of course, we know he got hurt at the 448 mark. What I do know about this game is that when Yoli was fresh and not fatigued, he was really, really special. In fact, 12 out of the 25 minutes, he scored 27 of 29 points. So the big picture is that when he's on the floor, he was really good. And I, and I do think that probably just not playing, having even though he's been practicing and I'm sure he's in great condition, just the energy and the excitement and all that comes with that game anyway, uh, he was really, really good to start those two halves and, and didn't have the kind of the impact scoring in, in the second half. If he stays in the game, do you feel like BYU wins it? Yeah, they probably do. Just because his presence alone, Utah would have to guard him differently and help, and then you go to him, it, it, it creates double teams. Uh, though Utah didn't do a lot of double teams because they have significant size, but it's just, it's just a different game with him on the floor. Uh, though he proved in, in, the, in the first two halves that he played, he didn't play and shoot the ball real well the second part of each of those halves, but I do believe that he plays the entire game uh, that they do win. Not having TJ at the end, uh, really hurts him because he's a guy that can probe and, and do things to get good shots at the end of games. Well, the referees make a charge call on T.J. Haas that takes him out of the game with his fifth foul, and so that kind of started the uh, whole train of BYU fans after a frustrating loss. Oh, the refs cost BYU the game. Steve, did the refs cost BYU the game last night? No, listen, you, you, there are calls, and that's not – referees miss calls. There were missed calls in that game, probably on both sides. And uh, one of the things that created foul trouble for BYU is that Utah just pounded that thing inside. And whether it was to bigs or – and uh, for me, Tim Allen was a huge piece of this because they started setting ball screens with other guards where he had mismatches. And he just kind of went off inside and attacked the rim. Uh, so when you're attacking the rim constantly, there are going to be more whistles just because just there's more contact. And, uh, but, yeah, there were some missed calls, absolutely. But that's not why you lose games. When you look at uh, what happened, especially in the second half, as BYU had a 16-point lead, but turnovers uh, continued to weigh in here. And points in the paint, 62. And fast break points, 31 for Utah. Where did it fall apart defensively for the Cougars? You know, I think, number one, I think Utah made some adjustments, especially when it came to getting out on the ball in a lot of different positions. And Utah has size. And, and certainly Ryland Jones made big baskets 
the biggest baskets probably in overtime, but made the biggest three at the end of that game. So it, it's a team, even though they were young, they, they had a plan. And, and then I thought, BYU got sloppy with the ball. And those turnovers really, really hurt BYU when Utah was struggling to score and all of a sudden they get run outs and get easy twos. They get more confidence. But I really do believe in the half court that they, Utah created mismatches and put Timmy Allen in a position to really hurt BYU and, and, and stay in the game and keep it close enough. And then when it got close, the crowd got involved. And, you know, I was surprised. It didn't look like it was a full house. And, and, but when that game got close, the crowd became a factor. Steve Cleveland with us on BYU Sports Nation. At the top of the list, Steve, what is priority number one for BYU and Mark Pope to beat UNLV and then move in the next week, take care of Nevada, and then maybe beat Utah State? Well, I think the first thing you do is you go back and watch film, and, and which they will do. This is a great coaching staff. They're going to go and look at the mistakes that they made, things that happened, and they'll be better. You, you get better in losses. They're more painful. It's a game that certainly they had an opportunity to win. But that being said, you've got to move on. You've got to get to the next moment. And this game can be really unfair to you, and it's, it's difficult after losses like this, especially an in-state game like this. But I – I think they'll come in, they'll tweak some things. I, I think that one of the things that I noticed and, and have noticed a, a pattern of it, end-of-game shots, you know, they're putting the ball in here. I loved it when they tweaked Tulsa in the post, and, but they, they ended up not maybe getting the shots that they wanted. They were contested. I think one of the things you look at maybe late-game situations. I know they do this. Every, every good coaching staff works on late-game situations, but look for maybe some isolation situations. If Yoli's in the game, it's a lot easier to – look at last-second shots as well. But I think that's something that deserves some attention because they're going to be in close games, especially in conference play. So that's one of the things that I would do. And then I would put the game behind them because UNLV is coming off a really good road win at Fresno State. They're athletic. They're sneaky shooters. They're not a a great three-point shooting team. BYU needs to come back, focus on defending, not turning the ball over, and, and, and rebounding the ball like they have been. Uh, they'll, they'll beat UNLV, but they, they've got to forget about this game pretty quickly and move on because and even Nevada, who lost a lot of folks, uh, had a good win. They beat Santa Clara, who I think has a really solid team. They beat them by 30. They lost to Utah by a few, but this is a, a Nevada team you can't sleep on. I know it's at home, and I think that's why BYU will win. And, of course, Utah State's been playing really well, and they've been doing it out with their big guys. So, yeah, there, there's I, I think – when you take a look at down the road in these five games, that, that Vegas game, the Nevada game, Utah State game, are all going to be challenging. Uh, but I think as they finish up with Oral Roberts and, and Weaver State, they can finish that out. But, uh, yeah, they got to forget about it and move on to the next moment. Coach, I can't help but draw some parallels to a game that, correct me if I'm wrong, you coached in at the Huntsman Center. I think it was 2004. BYU led by as many as 19, could not miss, and then Utah comes back and steals that game away in front of their home crowd. Um, how do you recover as a staff and a team after a mental lapse like that? Well, I think, first of all, you have to be really authentic and honest with each other. You can't act like nothing happened. You, you have to address what happened. Let's talk about it. Let's watch film. And you're not going to spend a lot of time because you're trying to prepare for another game. But you have to, you have to look at the mistakes that were made. And, and it's one of those things that once you've done that, you've watched a little bit of film, you've talked about it, and you try to correct it, then, then, then you move on. And, you know, like that team, we moved on and got to the NC2A tournament, and it, it's just one of those things that happens. 
So you, you, you realize that, that it is a tough loss, but it's only one game. They, they have, BYU has been playing really good basketball, and they have great opportunities in front of them. And as painful as that is, they'll be better for this, and, uh, and I, I think you'll see it against UNLV. I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to. Yeah, that team, that BYU team you coach made it to the NCAA tournament. So brighter days ahead. Yes, yes, and this is a team that if they can stay healthy and, and continue to improve, that they have a chance to compete for a WCC championship and they have a chance to get to the, back to the tournament. You know, they, ha- they have to continue to grow and get better as a team, but, I, I, you know, I, I know these senior leaders are connected. There's a great culture there. Uh, they're they're going to bounce back from this, but it, it, it's not an easy task. I, I'm just telling you that you can't take anybody for granted at this point in time, and I know that coaching staff won't. But uh, they'll be better for it, and in, tough as it is, you've got to move on. Let's wrap with this. Uh, Mark Pope had an incredible response to uh, when asked about the officials. What's your response to his response? Uh, you know, I tongue-in-cheek, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you guess? <laughs> so, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I understand how difficult that can be. And uh, I understand the pain and all the little bit of drama that took place after that game that social media loves to think about and talk about. Uh, you know, when I was coaching, those things could have been said and you never heard about it. Uh, but I, I think that, uh, that that's not why you lose games, because of officials. I just, and he knows that. He, Mark is a really good coach. But it's a frustrating time, and sometimes you say things and do things that maybe – a year or two later, they probably shouldn't have done that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You move on and, and, and get the guys ready. And you can't sit around and feel sorry for yourself at this point in time. Too much season left. It was an unfindable response, Steve. <laughs> you can't find yes. it. <laughs> you can't find it. <laughs> Steve, it's great to talk to you. Uh, we appreciate the insight as always. Thanks, guys. Take care. You got it. Steve Cleveland Thanks, on Steve. the Deseret First Credit Union Highline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, the WCC Player of the Year, McKenna Miller, on her recovery or her long friendship with Mary Lake and the NCAA Tournament in Provo this weekend. And Fred Warner is making waves in the NFL, not just on a weekly basis, but on a monthly basis. Your Seahawks better watch out, Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. What a brave and courageous performance. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play, and enjoy On Demand, and subscribe, rate, and review. Please give us those uh, five-star ratings if you feel so inclined. (laughs) Shameless plug. Which was what we were out of high school as broadcasters. Five-star. We were five-star Five-star broadcast recruits. To no one. Go Knights and go Grizzlies, right? Go Grizzly Bears. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton, and it's time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Despite having two different 16-point leads in the game, the Cougars lose at Utah 109-95 in overtime. Yoli Childs returned for the first game of the season for him after a nine-game suspension, led all scores with 29 points. He didn't finish the game, however, as he was injured with calf cramps multiple times. BYU plays UNLV at Vivint Smart Home Arena Saturday, 2 Eastern, 11 Pacific, right here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Football. The Pro Football Focus All-Independent Conference team is out. What? Cougars on the list include Micah Simon, Matt Bushman, Brady Christensen, and James Empey on offense. J.J. and Wigway, Isaiah Kafusi, Diane Gawoluku, and Austin Lee make 
the all-independent defensive team. And Wigway was a surprise for me. Uh, good for him. He came on, and uh, that's pretty validating. Right? And no Kairos Tolman. And no Kairos Tolman. Okay. That's a surprise as well. Don Gamolico accepted an invitation to play in, at the NFLPA Bowl. Austin Lee accepted an invitation to play in the East-West Shrine Bowl. Both the Shrine and NFLPA Bowls will take place on January 18th, 2020. Cougars in the NFL. Fred Federico Warner is the NFC Defensive Player of the Month in November. Currently the only linebacker in the NFL with at least 90 tackles, three sacks, three forced fumbles, and six passes defended. Warner and the San Francisco 49ers play Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. Nice. Cross country. Six runners are All-Americans after the national championships in Terre Haute, Indiana almost two weeks ago. They are Courtney Wayment, Erica Burke-Jarvis, and Whitney Orton from the women's team. Connor Mance, Danny Carney, and Jacob Hesslington of the men's team. This is the highest number of All-Americans for the women's team since 03. For the first time in program history, both teams were in the top two at the national event. Swimming and diving. A select group of the men's and women's swimming and dive team compete in the Winter Nationals in Georgia today. Good luck to all of our BYU athletes. Our question of the day. What song best describes your feelings about the BYU-Utah basketball game last night? (laughs) At... The underscore Eric V answers on Twitter. Another one bites the dust. Yee. Come on. Come on. At DSTOT50 on Twitter. The Sound of Silence by <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. I'm Hello, so sports darkness, depressed. My old friend. <laughs> lose to Utah again. Hey, so my song is uh, a gem from the band Three Days Grace, Canadian rock band. Uh, the, Thanks, name of the, so- the name of the song is I Hate Everything About You. <laughs> What, what was the song by uh, what uh, white tea white teas? What are they called? Plain, plain white teas. Plain white teas. Hate is a strong word, but I really, really don't like you. <laughs> Something like that. Can't no, no, that I'm one. just going straight to that strong word. I I hate everything about you. That is the name of the song by Three Days Grace. Mm-hmm. How yeah. about how about uh, you know Kryptonite by uh, three, three Doors Down? Oh, Three Doors Down. Yeah, yeah. Three Days Grace and the Three Doors three days, Down. Three, three, Kryptonite, BYU's Kryptonite right now. Rennie Hicks on Twitter says Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Oh, always good, no matter what. Reference Larry Kristoviak getting the referees to take over. <laughs> it's a sabotage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, that is a great song. Getting the refs to take over. <laughs> Did he pay them $80,000? No, he didn't pay the rest. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I think there's a song by Tom Petty called You Got Lucky, too. So. Chris Koviak makes more than Kyle Whittingham, so there you go. I'm doing That's song so titles. Weird. I'm not going with lyrics. I'm yeah. just going with song just, titles. Yeah, yeah. There's some good lyrics, but come on. Coming up, BYU lost. Did we, but did we lose in our in one pick? Do I even care? Yeah, we I don't care. even know if I care. I don't, I don't care. Plus, McKenna Miller, I do care about this, is the West Coast oh, Conference Women's great. Volleyball Player of the Year. Woo! She's hanging out with us in Studio B. Why are we talking about pocket knives and her best friend relationship with Mary Lake? It goes way back. This is BYU Sports Nation. Bestie. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Women's Volleyball hosts the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament this weekend. You can watch the Cougars play on BYU TV Friday. The Cougars host New Mexico State, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. If you want to watch the match before that, it's at 6 Eastern, Illinois versus Utah. You can watch it on the BYU TV app as well tomorrow. We are live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Welcome back to Studio B and BYU Sports Nation. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Hey, did you notice who was in that picture, in that promo right there? Yeah. It was the West Coast Conference Player of the it Year in Women's Volleyball. of the Year. Her name is McKenna Miller, and she is so kind to join us this morning in Studio B. McKenna, welcome and congratulations. 
Thank you for having me. I always like to find out how the players find out they receive these awards. So where were you and how did you find out about it? Um, I had woken up like, t- and then 10 minutes after I woke up, I got a call from Heather and I was like, why is Heather calling me? At <laughs> uh, what did on I do wrong? Morning. Were you like, concerned? No. Oh, okay. Well, here's the other thing is I went back and I watched our Pepperdine game because Karch Karai was commentating and I just wanted to like hear his wisdom the whole time. And he'd said that it was me and the middle from San Diego were finalists. And I was like, what the heck? I didn't even know they had finalists. Like, and they don't, just in his opinion. Okay, right? okay, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, is that, I was like, I don't know. So I guess that's when I knew it was like a possibility, but I still, San Diego won conference, their middle's an amazing player. So I was like fully expecting me to not get it. Okay. And then when Heather called me, I was like, that could be, like, I was like, she doesn't normally call me at 930 on Mondays, but then she called to tell me and. That was how I found out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And what does that mean to you to be the player of the year as a senior? Um, it's nice and all, but I know it's not really me getting that. It's all credit to our team because I wouldn't be able to. I don't know. I got player of the week a couple times, but I don't think I deserve it any so of the time. So you're not taking thought, any of the individual credit, McKenna? No. You're taking none of it? None of it. Because <laughs> like, we have our pass. I only play front row. I don't even have to do the hardest job, and that's passing. So... We have our passers who get Whitney in system who sets me, and it really is like I'm really humbled to have gotten that, but it wasn't something I was expecting or like, oh, I I need to get player of the year. It just kind of happened, but I think it gives a lot of credit to our team because really they earned that award with me. I would hope that they give you like some certificate or something, like with 90s printed (laughs) edges on it. Like, congrats. I don't know. If I get one, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll yeah. hang it up here. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say, we can put it in Studio B. Uh, what people might not remember is that you do this after you have a significant injury late last year. You tear your ACL and you come back and you're the player of the year. Um, pretty remarkable stuff. Walk us through the path of getting healthy and then uh, getting back to full strength. Um, it was a tough one for sure. Like People see this side, like winning games and stuff, but no one was there in rehab when I was crying, having to bend my knee or something. But um, BYU, I've always said, like, tearing your ACL sucks, but if you're going to do it, like, BYU is a pretty good place to do it because the resources that were available to me made all the difference. And I got so much support from my teammates and coaches and then the physical therapy and our weight trainer, Terrell. Just I was in rehab the day after my surgery, and I wanted to die, but – now that I'm out of it, I'm really grateful that I just kind of sucked it up and went through it because it helped me get here. And that happened in November last year, mm-hmm. yet you were ready to play and never missed a match this season or anything. How did you get ready in time for the season, and are you fully recovered from it? Did you ever? I, did, I guess we've never talked about it. Yeah. Um, I think I just was tired of sitting out for so long that I just was kind of like itching to come back. I thought it would be more mental of a challenge to trust my knee again but I just was so bored of just kind of (laughs) sitting there and like volleyball is one of my favorite things and playing it with my best friends is like dream come true and so me not getting to do that was really hard and so I think that kind of just helped me I honestly didn't worry about my knee at all once I just had my brace I kind of trusted like I'm good to go and I trusted all the work that I'd put in and I just was excited to play again I didn't even think about doing something to it. 
I'm having one of those surreal moments that happens when I look back on the first time we interviewed a young athlete at BYU, and you were a freshman. You were third-team All-American, for that matter, but... I had the same feeling with Fred Warner when little Fred came in and he was 17 little years Freddie old. Warner. And now he's balling now up he's with the San with Francisco the 49ers. And now here it. you are. You, know, you, just, you were little and now you're the West Coast Conference Player of the Year. What are your emotions like uh, going into the final few games of your career at BYU? Well, there's at least six, there's six games left. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. I think senior night I just was in denial the whole time that it could have actually been my last game at the Fieldhouse because it's been my life for – four years it's just the same routine and then after the game I was like oh my gosh like that really could have been my last time and I wish I like appreciated that more and I knew we were kind of a bubble team for the tournament and so for me I was more excited just seeing the number 14 next to our name because we know we can play anybody anywhere it's exciting finding out who's in our bracket but for me I just was really excited to see that I would get another chance to, and that we all would get another chance to play at the Fieldhouse. And we'll discuss the matchup with New Mexico State, potentially Utah in the second round. We'll address that in a moment as well. Heather Olmstead told us that you and Mary Lake, uh, who have become best friends, that you started coming to camps when you were about freshmen. When did that relationship start to begin? Um, I think we clicked at our camp. I was either 13 or 14, and we just hit it off because we were the little babies kind of on the upper court. And... We are both from Southern California, so we played club volleyball tournaments together all the time. Same team or different teams? Different teams. But, but we, you would see each other? We would see each other. Did you ever play against her? Yeah, a couple times. Did she dig you effectively like she does um, now? I didn't hit to her. <laughs> <laughs> you were smart <laughs> enough not to hit <laughs> that direction. Um, but yeah, even when Mary graduated early, her dad came up to one of, to one of our club tournaments when Mary wasn't playing. And our families have just been super close since then. When Mary tore her ACL in high school, I went to go visit her with Goody Basket, and mm. we've just, I don't know, just naturally flows. This so, goes way back. Yeah, yeah and she, she graduated early then? She graduated a semester Came here early. in January, I guess? Yeah, so she, her, she of tore her, senior her ACL year. her senior year, and so she came up here January so that she could start doing rehab and stuff to Man, be ready. I didn't realize that. How would you describe the relationship you have with her? <laughs> Symbiotic. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We just... We're, I feel like, so close now that it's like we can just look at each other and we're like, yeah, I know. Like, we just, that's a couple times where I'm like, mm. I just, she's like, I know, I'm the same. And like, you don't have to say anything. We just kind of get it. And I think. You guys should host a show. <laughs> no, I think it'd be really boring. Because there, there are moments <laughs> like that where we look at each other and it's like, okay, I'm saying you take us to break. I don't have anything here or whatever. I right? can give Jeremy a look and he'll be like, oh, Spencer doesn't know what's coming, <laughs> happening next. Yeah. yeah. That's fun, right? To yeah. engage it's fun in just that, having right? that. And I feel like our experiences, we just were together for so long like we were playing as freshmen which is kind of a lot coming in and just going through all these experiences together and being seniors now having different responsibilities in other years but still being able to have each other through that's been really awesome she's the mc hammer mckenna miller oh it's been a minute since we brought that out as dubbed by your family right they literally on our senior letters they apologized that was the first thing they said so, that's hilarious oh my goodness <laughs> until now yes hey, by the way tournament matches this week you get new mexico state and heather Holmes had talked about uh their 19 match win streak when she mm-hmm. talked to us earlier this week and she's uh preparing for a significant challenge what do you know about new mexico state at this point like you said we know they're on a run they swept out the conference tournament they have the conference t- or player of the year so we know they're going to be good and we know they're going to be feisty and i think we're just excited to play someone new and get the challenge of seeing how we match up against them. Do you feel like you can beat a team coached by Michael Jordan? 
Because that's the name of the head coach. Oh, I remember you saying that. Um, I'd hope so because that'd be really cool to say. I believe we can, and then just one we day. Beat Michael well, we beat Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Yeah. That would be cool. Uncle Mike. Um, every match is important in the NCAA tournament, obviously. The season on, is on the line, right? Um, how is it different playing in Provo in an NCAA tournament match? Because you've done this, what, I want to say every, eight times yeah. total, right? We've done it every year that I've been here. Yeah, um, and, and BYU hasn't lost since the 90s at home in an NCAA tournament match, and that's because of what? I think just the field house is really special. People everywhere can see that. We just have awesome fans, and I love how close they get to be to the court. People have like suggested us playing in the Marriott Center, but Never. I think I would hate that because Never. everyone's just far. So I love just the like tight crowd atmosphere and how loud it gets, and seeing all like royal blue or whatever just looks really cool. And the rock is awesome, and season ticket holders, everyone, the field house is really cool, and lucky to be a part of it. Well, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Thank you. And hopefully Saturday we see BYU-Tom. Yeah. That'd be fun. Let's just see BYU in there, okay? Yeah, yeah. BYU. Yeah. Let's just get BYU in there. Shout out to your family. Love your family. <laughs> your grandpa especially, who oh, prints man. out pictures sometimes and brings them to me. And uh, gave me a pocket knife and gave Jeremy a pocket knife, and I still haven't given it to you. I need to get that to you. I was like, he I got He gave Alex a pocket knife the first time I brought him over, too. Your husband. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. husband. Yeah. <laughs> Who's on the men's volleyball team, Alex That's Austin. You know you're in the circle of trust <laughs> yeah. if you get a pocket knife. And now knife. you're Polynesian. That's pretty awesome. Now Polynesian. Well, yeah, very cool. But... Congratulations. <laughs> Thank again. you. Sort of. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, looking forward to that tomorrow night. Okay, coming up, why one specific BYU fan at the Utah game gets my rise and shout out. Hold and, on just a second. We're going to break. Okay. <laughs> Our and one recap. Why, I don't even care if we got points last night. I'm still frustrated. Come on, man. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hey, we got women's volleyball. Don't worry. True. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcast. Remember, we want those five stars. Five-star ratings. <laughs> there may not be many of those recruits here, but uh, we need the five stars, right? <laughs> Perhaps in the future. We'll see. Uh, the show's also on demand on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Yo. Let's play and one. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. I don't really feel like doing this because the frustration has boiled over after last night. Really? But yet here we are, Jerry. Okay. Here we are. Okay, your picks first. Remind the people. Okay, my two-pointer. you got to get your two-pointer to have a chance at the one-pointer. My uh, first pick, BYU wins by three or more. You should have had it! Uh, BYU uh, turned it over 20 times and allowed Utah to get to overtime and win it. Give us some of that. Yeah, and one. Here's my N one pick that doesn't matter because I didn't get to the free throw line. Yoli Childs goes for 15 plus. Yep. Swish. Yeah, got it, but didn't get it. So zero he points. He doubled for that me. at the 17 minute mark in the second half. He was going to triple it. <laughs> like he was pacing for 40. It was crazy. All right, my first pick. BYU will outshoot Utah from the three point line. Swish. And it wasn't close. Are you? T- and one. Yoli Childs will not be BYU's leading scorer. He was, now, now, we haven't mentioned it up to this point. Jake Tulson had 27. Jake was really good in this game, yeah, too. If Jake makes a couple of more shots, then uh, Yoli's not the leading scorer for BYU. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I felt like BYU would 100% win the game if they could outshoot yeah. Utah from the three-point line on their home floor. What if I told you? ESPN's 30 for 30 percent. What if I told you that BYU shot 54% from the field and went 12 of 24 from three? Victory, right? Said BYU goes to Otila's. Shoot. And Utah was what? Four for 18 from the three-point line? They were three for 17 until Ryland Jones hits the three to tie the game with 20 seconds. How? Can I see a birth certificate on that guy? Is he 12? Like, (laughs) 
I know he's like 18 or whatever, and he's a tremendous player. He had 25. Okay. Like, he looks as young as TJ Haas looks old. Does that make sense? That matchup was fun. I'm being told that we have to um, go over Jason Shepard's picks now. Oh, is that a thing? Okay, so uh, his first pick, BYU will be booed. Um, I have issue with this because Jeremy and I were at the game, and I can't recall a time where BYU was specifically booed. The officials were booed a lot. It wasn't like the full Utah. There was trepidation because Utah just lost to Coastal Carolina by 20 points, and BYU was rolling. BYU lost to a team that lost to Coastal Carolina. Utah fans are worried about other things, right? And his other garbage pick. And one, which shouldn't count because he didn't get his first one. Moving on. I'm up 12-10. Nine. Jason somehow has nine points. <laughs> Next. Our question of the day. What song best describes your feelings about the BYU-Utah basketball game last night? At ZachHunter.exe on Instagram. Shake It Off by my girl Taylor Swift. Okay. Yeah, got to move okay. on. You want to be Saturday? Okay. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. <laughs> Eric Rasmussen in on Facebook. Tub Thumper by Chumbawamba. I get knocked down, oh but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. Oh, forgot about that song, and now I'm mad that I uh, I'm remembering I wish I song. could forget about that song. Today's Rise and Shoutouts. Jeremy, you're up first. Uh, my Rise and Shoutout goes to the BYU fan who brought an organ flag to the Utah game yeah. at the Hudson Center. That is hilarious. Uh, Utah plays Oregon in the Pac-12 football championship game tomorrow. That is some high-level trolling. <laughs> that is some high-level trolling. Go Ducks. Yeah. Return of the quack. And my rise and shadow goes <clears throat> to it's emotional, I know. to Mark Pope for this soundbite. I thought the officials were amazing. That's probably the best crew that's ever set foot on the planet. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, a really brave and courageous crew. I mean, that crew, I would take them every single game. They're amazing. A really All-timer. brave and courageous All-time. crew. Amazing. All-time soundbite. All-time. Love Mark So Pope. good. That really got BYU fans excited. We love the passion. Our thanks to today's guest, Steve Cleveland and McKenna Miller. <laughs> uh, no thanks to the refs. And sorry to Dennis Pitt. I ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Randy Reed. We'll see you for BYU Sports Nation tomorrow morning. Busy weekend ahead. Go Cougs. Brave and courageous crew. <laughs>